Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This is a conversation with Rick Brush and Jeff Domlin, who together, with a lot of help from a lot of wonderful people, including Esther Dyson, created an idea whose time has come. It's called Wellville. Wellville. And it happens in five different communities around the country. And it's been going on for close to 10 years. And these two gentlemen are have formal and official ways of keeping the Wellville experiment going across the board but they wanted to be introduced as advisors to different Wellville groups and learning with them, not teaching them in in the old fashioned notion of teaching. And uh, there are so many clips that I could make on this one. (laughs) Uh, I just don't know which one I'll choose, but there was something that Jeff said uh, about why he was able to succeed as an advisor all this time. It had to do with uh, when he was uh, teaching English as a professor, and he realized that he could create better results with the learners if he let go, and that's the word he used, of his um, officiousness, his professorial garb, if you will, and just said, well, let's, let's learn together. Uh, you are going to see things that I don't see in this particular novel or this particular poem and vice versa. So let's just get on with it. And years later, he said, almost 40 years later, the same philosophy of his presence and Rick echoed the same thing is they are there as appreciative learners, as um, hungry learners with these different uh, folks who have convened under the Wellville umbrella. So enough about me talking about them. Listen to them talking with me and you will understand everything about why practice matters so much to them, to me, and hopefully it will continue to matter to you because It's human beings at their best, in practice, doing their best at their best. And that's Rick Brush and Jeff Domlin. Folks, this is a conversation among three educators of different kinds, which I think is delightful. Uh, some of you know that I would probably fall under the category of a school educator, a university educator. But the two gentlemen, Rick Brush and Jeff Domlin, are educators of the world in the world with a focus on wellness. So while they may or may not be licensed health educators or whatever the uh, stipulations that we tend to want to have that doesn't matter from my standpoint and just getting to know them very briefly they are just compelled to want to help people learn 
how to take better care of their health and each other in their health. So let's see first, Rick, I've laid that on you. <laughs> Do you have you thought of yourself as an educator? No, I have not. Um, and I would think, uh, first and foremost, a learner. Um, I think we're all, you know, learning beings, creatures. And this work you you described as helping people take better care of themselves. And I, I also think that uh, we see that a little differently at Wellville. We're, um, I think we're discovering together what it takes to create healthier, more vibrant communities. And right. uh, and we're not coming in with prescriptions or you know lists of of um, better ways to take care of ourselves. We're sort of um, learning with our communities uh, how that really takes hold in the world uh, in their you know unique context. Well, I'll flip that. You're in the business of helping people learn how their communities help them take better care of themselves, and therefore what role they have in making sure the community does that it's and not pass the recipients i'm living here therefore the community is taking care yeah. i'm looking after me uh there's a responsibility jeff what's your thought on that oh that uh interesting <clears throat> um the way you just described it dave the way i heard it makes it sound as if the community is an, an abstract something or other outside of the the people and i think what i'm just going to play off what rick said a little bit and and say that um the community is the people coming together and how they come together so rick earlier said that he he said that human beings are learners by nature um but that yeah i i, I will agree to that and, I, and add to it that they're also social by nature. Yeah. So, um, insofar as that's the case, how they interact with each other is how communities take shape. Mm -hmm. And if we can go into our communities with a with a um, with a uh, learning disposition. Um, then that that encourages and opens up a space for the people that we come into contact with to similarly take a learning disposition, which implies, I think, that no one of them or us has it all figured out <laughs> and gives uh, gives everybody a chance to play along. And that's the kind of community I think that we're striving to foster i really like that notion of learning disposition and that it's not exclusive to some but not to others that it's something that can be inspired and brought out demonstrated uh rick you you introduced you corrected my educator uh label with i am a learner and jeff has talked about that being an important uh, aspect of what your work is demonstrating a learning uh, disposition. So how does that work out on a practical level, usually? Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I was just reflecting on my, my resisting the, um, the label of educator. And I, I, I do think that, 
you know, in, in some ways we are viewed as coming in with some, you know, let's say area of expertise. And sure. so well, Wellville is a 10 year project working with five communities. So one of the things we bring in um, is a, an understanding of how these other, you know, no matter what community we're in, you know, how the other four communities are going about the work, you know, how they're sort of bringing community members, stakeholders together, you know, what what's working, what's not. Um, so we do, in some sense, I, I suppose, uh, bring like an educational component. But I but I think that um, if I understand the, you know, the um, the question mark uh, after the word practice, you know, here, it's that, you know, we maybe want to we, we don't want to fall into the trap of believing that we have all those answers, that it really right. is about the ongoing practice and learning and refinement. And um, so I think it, I, I do. So I'm going to I'm going to say maybe it is both. Uh, I think maybe we're all, you know, in some sense, educators and learners together. And what I and so and that's very much um, what we experience. You know, we come in as Wellville advisors, you know, to these five communities. Um, but we really don't know much about the actual lived experience of those who reside in those communities. So, you know, they are the educators in that sense. You know, when I'm in the North End uh, neighborhoods of Hartford, Connecticut, where I don't live, um, you know, I, I need to listen in a particular way that, you know, goes beyond what I already assume about North Hartford so that, you know, they're there, the residents of North Hartford are educating me. And I, th and I think I do feel like, you know, going back to what Jeff said about, you know, sort of coming together in such a way that we can learn from each other, that that's really what what happens, you know, is that we come in with our our own experiences, our own ideas and insights, some of this gathered from working in other communities, you know, and we bring that together with people who have, you know, expertise in their own lives and, and um, you know, together we sort of find ways to collaborate. <laughs> That's kind mm -hmm. of the key word, the buzzword, um, to do something different together than we could have done on our own. There's a lot of sharing over 10 years then of what works and what doesn't, pragmatic uh, findings as well as I imagine some of it can rise to the level of theory, uh, which I hope it does. Uh, for anything that works over a long period of time, we have to get something at a more principled level in order to keep it going. But um, I'll flip around here again and again, but let's go back to Jeff, who's one of the advisors, uh, Wellville, uh, or more Wellville communities. Uh, how, Jeff, does the lessons learned from one place, one Wellville, get into the awareness of another Wellville? Or do they care? Yeah, they care quite a bit, and they care um, quite a bit because it was built into the that that cross community sharing was built into the the original model if you will it's it's part of the blueprint for for well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so they're they have an expectation around that and in, in practical ways we we have um set up some um some opportunities for that to to happen on a yearly basis, we bring all five of the communities together in one of the communities for a, a week, and wow. um, those are those are um, they're they're great events, and, and and everyone loves them. So they're they're 
their big successes. Um, more regularly, we meet um, for anyone who is available and interested on specific, somewhat specific topics once a month um, via Zoom. So, uh, and they usually turn into pretty vibrant conversations among the, among the, uh, the participants who are usually from the communities. So, yeah, there's a, there's a hunger for this sort of thing. I, I think it's um, pretty well understood, if not from the get-go, then shortly thereafter, that, that this work is um, kind of um, undefined. And we're, we're exploring some territory that, uh, for which there's not a, a great roadmap. And we're sort of creating that map as we go along. They are and that they get a sense of that so um so yeah it's 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 important to them and it's um it's a lot about it's a lot of what this is all about um i i did want to if if you if you if this is okay i'd like to just say a little something about your question about educator and um sure. um and i for some reason i think this is important to say maybe maybe it isn't you can cut it out later but I, I was at one point in a former life, a college educator. And um, the, the very best experiences I had as a, as a uh, English instructor in a number of um, different places was when I dropped, um, when I dropped the uh, artifice of being a professor or an instructor and, and wanted to learn um, with them. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I, one notable occasion, I was assigned a course and material I didn't know. And I, I went in on the first day and said, I don't know this material any better than you do. I do have some tools that you don't have, but let's, let's explore this together. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to give you pretty much free reign on how you go about doing that. And I, I will learn as much by watching how you go about learning this material as, as um, you will if I if I took the more didactic approach. So that was that was eye opening to me, and it's yeah. it's a it's a way of going into the communities. Uh, or I carry that. Um, I was going to say you're carrying that along. Yeah, in, in the, it to way it's I go into the community. Uh, it's a great account. Uh, one of the. Uh, many, many, many reasons that I had this affinity for Peter Vale and, and Peter's outlook on education uh, was that Peter believed in co-inquiry. And when I was a student in the doctoral program, I actually experienced it. And then I studied it as one of my independent studies and had long conversations with Peter about how he loved to find that line uh, of his knowledge where it sort of faded and there was this sort of open-ended thing. And this is a guy who had went to Harvard and all kinds of, I didn't think there would be a line beyond which his, his knowledge would fail. But he, he, here's the point, to your point, Jeff. He said, what I don't know is what everyone else in that room does know about themselves, about their circumstances, about you know, what they believe in the world. And uh, so I'd be, 
I'm awfully greedy with my time. I don't want to spend it all telling them, just like I'm using your time right now to tell you a story about Petervale. But it's wonderfully uh, coincidental that you have this outlook, both of you. Uh, Rick, help us understand more about who the people are at the core of the Wellville experience. Um, sure. Either by example of a person or two, or other institutional roles that get developed over time. Yeah, and and I just want to reflect back something. I I did listen to uh, some of your podcasts, and one of them uh, was with a former student. And I I I hear that ongoing interest in learning from each other with each other uh, oh, in, yeah. in your podcasts. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really um, a kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just to just to fill in a little bit of details on Wellville. Um, first, uh, Wellville was started. Um, oh, uh, officially, we started working with five communities back in 2015. And um, just so everyone knows, um, the communities are Spartanburg, South Carolina, Lake County, California, Clatsop County, Oregon, Muskegon County, Michigan, and in Hartford, Connecticut, primarily working with uh, North Hartford, which are you know three neighborhoods that designate a, an area of the city of Hartford. Mm -hmm. And so who we work with in the communities uh, really varies in all of these places. But over time, as you imagine, you know the work has you know expanded and shifted and um, a lot of it is is based on um, always uh, replacing our you know previous assumptions with new assumptions about who really, needs to be involved in the work, wants to be involved in the work, you know, is sort of um, inspired by continuing to be part of the work. And that evolves over this period of time. Just to sort of give you some examples, um, in, in Hartford, um, there is a collaborative of institutions called the North Hartford Triple AIM Collaborative. And that includes the three uh, health systems, uh, Hartford Healthcare, Trinity Health St. Francis, um, Children's Medical Center, Connecticut Children's Medical Center. Um, it includes um, a resident liaison, so somebody who lives in the city of Hartford who has been appointed by the neighborhood groups uh, to represent the resident voice. It includes um, local community-based organizations like the Village for Families and Children, mm. funders like the United Way, um, Hartford Foundation. So, this is, I use this specific to give you, you know, some sense of what um, are the teams are that we work with in each of the communities. Um, in Spartanburg, it's a little different. In Lake County, California, it's a little different. In Muskegon County, it's uh, Michigan, it's different. But typically, you'll have these local institutions, um, health systems, public health professionals, you know, municipal and county government leaders, local nonprofits, um, and increasingly uh, residents, residents that don't have an organization affiliation, but are, you know, truly there, you know, based on the value of their, um, their knowledge of the community. And, and uh, really, um, even more importantly, is turning over the decision-making authority to the people who live in the communities, uh, not to the, those who hold the power you know, sort of the formal power, but those who will benefit uh, most and therefore should shape the work the most. Um, and they're all, 
you know, I can pick any single one of the people that we work closely with in our communities and tell you stories about them. And last week, we had three of our communities convened in Hartford. And Mm. back to Jeff's point about uh, community to community sharing, you know, Jeff and I were sort of joking, you know, um, sort of before, during and after this two day convening that, you know, Wellville needs to do very little because what we need to do is create a space. We need to create a space. And, you know, there is some work involved in creating the kind of space that facilitates sharing and learning together. I don't want to underplay that. Mm -hmm. But the magic, you know, what really happens is what happened last week, which is that, you know, people from Spartanburg, South Carolina flew up here and they already have this kinship, this relationship now with people from Hartford, Connecticut, that they never would have had, you know, but they they gained through this work together. They love each other. They care about each other. You know, they have fun together and, you know, they are sharing their own uh, struggles and, and learnings and successes, you know, with each other in very open, very intimate ways. And so as Jeff and I were facilitating and sort of walking around to these breakouts, you know, I just had the biggest smile on my face because these are people who are who are driven by work that is incredibly meaningful to them, you know, which is around, you know, creating a a healthier, you know, more thriving community for all, you know, and doing it in a way that, you know, is equitable so that, you know, everyone has that opportunity. And, you know, that's sort of the, the, the frame in which they work, but the real, again, magic is this um, feeling of belonging together and sharing together and learning together and having fun together. And um, I think that, you know, one of the benefits of a 10-year project is that it facilitates this kind of, you know, deep relationship building, not only in each community, but, you know, among the communities that we work with. Uh, I assume that this may have been one of the first face-to-face convenings that you were able to do, given the restrictions of the pandemic. Is that so, Jeff? It's actually the second. Uh, The first was in May and that was in Lake County, California. So this was different the, groups or all the groups. Uh, that the in Lake County, California, that was all the groups. That, that was, was your about, about your, eight your week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it must have been. Um, well, first, let's all thank the, the God for Zoom <laughs> yeah. because it, it's kept all of us uh, who are very actively interested in, in change uh, able to stay connected. But when they first came together for that week, uh, it must have been quite extraordinary. For example, oh, you mean you have a whole body, not just shoulders? <laughs> but uh, and, and a lot more fun than that and a lot more serious stuff than that. I'm curious, uh, over the years that I've thought of health and wellness, I had the privilege of writing a grant to the Kellogg Foundation in the uh, late 70s and early 80s for health education of the public in the state of Maine. And we had some pretty gnarly statistics to deal with. Um, And it was largely about behavioral, um, changing behavior and and changing conversation. It was extremely idealistic, well-funded, but it was kind of discouraging because the, the characters came and went, and it was hard to hold a coalition. And I realize now, many years later, that if we had been able, we didn't have the technology to keep us talking. 
we had to literally get in the car and drive 80 miles of bad road to get together, mm. uh, even for the seven campuses of the university that I was working with. But the point is, to this day, we were back in Maine two weeks ago, the family back in little western Maine town where I was working from, and I looked at the people. There was a lot of obesity. There's still people walking down the streets with cigarettes. There was the things that concerned us, and because we knew the numbers in regard to how many morbidity mo mo and all the rest occurs from those um, things that people have have the choice to do, which we wish they didn't. Uh, and so if you think of Spartanburg or some of these other locations, are there after 10 years in your experiences, visible signs as well as statistical indicators that people are experiencing a better <laughs> health situation because of, the, of their community collaboration? Why don't we start with you, Rick? Okay. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff saying, phew, I'm glad. Um, so this, <laughs> he went this, on mute. I don't understand why. Definitely a question of um, that we're asked quite a bit, especially this far into the project. We have about uh, two and a little bit more years left. So we're almost eight years in. And, you know, I, I so I want to give you sort of the formal answer and then maybe just tease out, you know, some of the informalities or sure. so one is that, um, you know, the, the work that these communities are doing are it's not it's not programmatic work. Um, they're they are really interested in reshaping the the community conditions that drive long term health outcomes. So, you know, take obesity, you know, one solution in quotes to that might be to you know to enter more people into programs you know maybe there's a clinical or a coaching component to that you know maybe there are even incentives to you know um, change um, diets and uh, reward people for healthy behaviors so much of what the health you know public health world especially is is looking at are well what are the influences of those you know behaviors you know and you know, and are there are there social conditions, cultural conditions, economic conditions? You know, what's the availability of healthy, affordable food in a community? Right. But then, you know, you you could even pan back further and say, well, what's causing those conditions? You know, and and you know, are there you know national subsidies to have us all eat more corn products, for example? <laughs> so yeah. you can you can keep stepping back, and I, that it's is gross. so much exactly, and that is so much. Um, uh, the center of the work that we do with communities is that stepping back to really understand, you know, beyond the symptomatic, you know, what is driving these outcomes in the first place. And, you know, when you step back for, far enough, you realize that it's really a change in thinking that's required, you know, more so than a change in, you know, the immediate, you know, actions, because it's the thinking that led to the conditions that led to the behaviors that led to the outcome. So all that said, we, we uh, got, got a little formal and serious a few years ago and said, we really do need to be measuring the impact of Wellville uh, um, working with these five communities. So we brought on board a learning, I emphasize learning and evaluation partner. Uh, her name is Kathleen Brady. She actually came from one of our communities. Um, she lives outside of Spartanburg, South Carolina. And we we brought her on board because she has credentials. She's a, she's a professional evaluator and um, has um, you know, deep experience in that. But she also, you know, understands the work that we're doing in ways that somebody who, 
you know, is completely detached from it might not. Yeah, it would be a very different uh, read on your on your work. And she, you know, if she were here, she would she would do a little better job than I should probably a much better job than I will. But she's measuring these things. She's measuring. She is measuring um, sort of a score well, scorecard or a, a series of indicators on well-being measures, like long-term well-being measures, you know, um, uh, poverty rates, um, high school graduation rates, um, you know, incarceration rates, um, but also things like um, you know, feeling like a sense of belonging in your community. So, you know, these sort of, you know, indicators around uh, so social indicators. So she's got this series of, you know, quanti quantitative measures that she's looking at for all five communities over the decade that we're working together with these communities. Then she has a, you know, another set of measures that are more like process measures. You know, they're things like, you know, what is the level at which uh, local institutions, residents and government officials are collaborating today versus, you know, how well they were collaborating at the start of the project. So that's a biggie. <laughs> it is a big one. Uh, what is the capacity of, you know, these are these are sort of evaluation technical terms, but what is the capacity of the community to continue the work, you know, beyond Wellville's 10 years? Like, have they formalized, you know, some sort of a collaborative, you know, and does that collaborative have sources of funding, you know, and is that, is that funding sustainable? And not that that's the only thing that they need to continue doing the work, but she's looking at these process measures. And then, you know, finally, I think she's looking at um, things that really matter to the individual communities themselves. And they do all have um, initiatives. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say in Lake County, California, for example, where there are um, a very high number of people who are experiencing homelessness uh, in a state where homelessness is already at high levels, um, they have created an initiative um, with, with a facility called Hope Center. Um, which is providing um, supportive housing and pathways to employment uh, for people who are experiencing homelessness and sort of these supportive services. So over time, Lake County wants to measure the impact of that collaboration around a series of support systems in you know, helping people find permanent homes on a you know, more regular, more permanent or you know, more sustainable basis than they were you know, 10 years ago. Um, so there are there are measures. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, but I think for us, I think we're probably more interested in this these longer term trends, and um, and those are more qualitative. Uh, yeah. So great, Jeff. You're an advisor, as is Rick, to uh, these well Wellvilles. Um, what is your recent experience in the way of? Wow, I never thought of that before. Kind of uh, uh, advising where you were drawn in and then surprised like hell. <laughs> hmm. Oh, um, well, you're gonna you're gonna have to edit. Uh, I I guess you edit these. Uh, no. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I do. I yeah, do. Well, good because I I'm pausing. I boy, I'm I'm drawing a blank i well, i threw i threw a i threw a fastball at you not not out of uh, out of deep curiosity because i tend to believe as a fellow practitioner that we look forward to the surprises even if we're caught on our heels even if something that we thought was working smoothly suddenly develops a huge 
pothole. <laughs> so I'm not looking for negs for say, but I'm looking at you, what you're learning, or or is it so smooth now that? Oh no, it's it, it's not smooth. Um, <laughs> but there's a couple things that I I I, I want to say, uh, and I I'm not sure they really answer your question, but I this I. I can't answer the question until I clear these things out of the hopper. <laughs> uh, and and um, they, they kind of go together. You, you said something um, maybe 15 minutes ago or so, um, a, a wonderful description. Um, and you called, you called us the Wellville experience. Yeah. And that is, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that before, and I'm I, I'm sort of miffed at myself for not having thought of it before. We are often um, asked to, as you are asking us to, in, in some ways, to describe what it is we are and what we do. And the the typical way of going about answering that question, um, and Rick kind of did this, you led him to this, was to describe the project. And um, some of the projects that are going on in our communities, and um, and it is it is with these projects that that measurement and evaluation can occur. Uh, but that misses a big piece of what we are, and you named it experience the Wellville experience. You can't measure that. You can't evaluate it. Not at least with any tools that we know of. Right here, I'm pointing to the hot. (laughs) That's that. That that's it. That's it. So I, I am interested, and maybe there's a there there is a surprise here. I'm interested in something that is really abstract, maybe even kind of radical, and that is an evaluation um, uh, technique that is in itself an intervention. That is in the in the evaluating as sort of as it mm-hmm. would be conventionally understood there's change occurring and that will happen when the community itself becomes its own evaluator uh-huh. and that becomes an experience yeah and the surprise is that this might not be such a crazy idea after all I've started to talk to uh, people in Spartan- Spartanburg about it, and turns out there are ways of doing this. Sure. And they they would be they're eager to try it. The barrier is that we're so locked into the quantitative measures that they get all the attention, and it's hard to sort of shift people into thinking of the value of of something that is innately difficult if not impossible to attach numbers to i um i have a good friend who is a uh, professor at the harvard business school and he's fond of saying what gets measured gets done and i yeah <laughs> I talked to him about that. I've, I've he, heard that he, many times. <laughs> yeah, and he, he sort of looked at me like, "What do you? Why are you asking me about that? Everybody knows that's how the world works." And 
uh, and I, I wonder if there's another way the world could be working and maybe even is, and it's just sort of hidden behind all of that. Wow, we, I, I have a, a lot of fun <laughs> at another time, just playing with that, with that one premise. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm saying across the, my forehead comes the headline. Well, that's the word that keeps coming up and a doctor will say you're well, and, you know, each, each practitioner looks at the individual. Well, you're learning in, in your uh, academic achievement looks good. But John Doe knows well, and he knows when he is not well. And he is, uh, and she, and they are in the community 24 by, by 7. Mm -hmm. And my point of view would be to get to know John, who's not maybe in one of your organized groups, but have a coffee with John, as we used to do when I worked in rural Maine, and say, how are you doing? And boy, if you listen, as I was a sociologist by early education, if you listen with that uh, larger question in, in your head, How's this community doing? How's this town doing? You listen to John uh, over coffee and watch his handshake and know he's looking forward to a beer, not a coffee. And then I start thinking, well, what's what's going on here? So I'm, I'm stretching the point and, and I shouldn't because the time is yours and I'm doing a lot of talking. But Rick, back to that. What what about that idea of understanding the consequences of Wellville from things that aren't easily measured, but are known pretty well by almost anyone living in that town. Mm, that's great. I love, thanks Dave for sharing that story. That was such, that was right, right on. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the terminology that, you know, researchers might use is self-reported health status. Yeah. And it is, it turns out it's one of the best predictors of, you know, actual physical and mental health is, you know, how I feel, <laughs> how I, you know, I'm not the doctor, but when you ask me like, how's your health? You know, how I answer that question is, is an excellent predictor of your future, you know, physical and, and mental, you know, sort of, um, uh, um, health and, um, because I think I think what you're getting at is that you know there is there is there is something intuitive here you know there's something intuitive in terms of like that's why I resisted a little bit you know I'm an educator I'm going to tell people you know what well well being is you know no uh -huh. <laughs> you know pe people have you know their own real experience of well being and they and they. Um, they know what that is in ways that I can't tell them, you know, they experience it. Yeah. And I, so, so much, so maybe a surprise is, is, um, is uh, how much our work changes, you know, every single moment um, because we, you know, we hear something that is revealing in a community that, that, you know, hopefully uh, changes our, outside assumptions about that community. And, you know, last week, uh, when we had three communities gathered in North Hartford, um, we had residents of North Hartford who um, 
very generously shared their uh, your, their moment in the coffee shop. You know, I, it was a little bit different because we sort of had them with a group of chairs in the front of a room and there were other people there. But, you know, they they very generously invited us into their experience of living in North Hartford, you know, and and they really shared it from an aspirational standpoint, like why why they believe in the work that they're supporting locally as residents in a community, which from the outside could look like a lot of deficits. It would be, you know, and, and it's that is one of the um, issues that we confront is when you look at um, any of our five communities, it's very easy to spot problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of attuned to that. And we're like, you know, well, well, what's the diabetes rate? What's the poverty rate? You know, what's the crime rate? You know, and um, and, you know, what what we heard last week are, you know, very different stories of of strength and, and assets, not to say that, you know, there aren't challenges in the communities. So I do feel like that is a great predictor, you know, <laughs> but so not only is it self-reported health status, but here's like self-reported community status, you know, and that yeah. this group of residents who are who are together, who, you know, are sort of mutually supporting each other. And, you know, they sort of reflected back to us. We had no idea there were people like you, these people who are in institutions and positions of power and that, you know, we hold a lot of assumptions about you, too. And, yeah. you know, and so they're sort of in front of us, like dismantling their own assumptions about that. And, you know, and as Jeff said, experience, like when we get into these spaces, you know, it's an experience of, you know, you know, our our shared humanity and um, and uh, that you know, that, how do you measure that? I don't know. You know, it's, it's a felt experience. You know, I don't have a, you know, a meter for it, <laughs> but I can tell you, and Jeff and I were chatting about this this morning that, you know, the, the way I felt last week, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a, a real high and, uh, just knowing deeply that, you know, this is a good use of me as a human being and a good use of, of my time, you know, because it was reflected back by the other people who were in the room. So, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would say. And I, I love your, your uh, story and we've got a lot like it. Jeff has actually done some beautiful writing about um, individuals in, in Spartanburg and, um, you know, it just, it opens us all up to see beyond the assumptions that we already hold about, you know, people and communities and what's possible. And, you know, if you can't do that, then it's going to be really hard to get unstuck, you know, from, from the challenges, you know, from, from the issues that, that we say that we want to change. Yeah, that's beautifully said. And Jeff, I'm going to throw you back on the, on the griddle here with the last couple of minutes of our podcast time. And uh, what, uh, well, let me put it another way. If you could keep doing this indefinitely, would you? Yeah, I would. Um, but it's probably um, would it would probably be meaningful to think a little bit about what the, this is. <laughs> well, this sounds to me like it's changing pretty pretty regularly. So that may yeah. not be the this may not be the was. <laughs> that, but if, if you could continue to have this access to this amazing, and I truly believe amazing, social phenomenon called Wellville, indefinitely, uh, and advise it and then inconvene. Uh, is that a, sort of a life work for you right now? Yeah, it, it, yes, because it, it, it is, um, 
you know, it, it, it's an enactment of everything that I've, that I've been working toward for, for kind of ever, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that, that story I told about the, the classroom, uh, yeah. and, you know, fessing up that, that I'm not the expert here. Um, let's, let's learn this together. That was a life changing moment that, that happened in 1989, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, what, 40 years ago, something like that. Yeah. And that, that really set the course of my life in a, in a big way. Um, uh, it, it helped me to be okay. Not, not knowing everything and not having to pretend that I knew things. And I, I know I'm not great at that. I mean, that, that, that in it, that, that little psychological move that one has to make, you know, sort of letting go that, oh, that's, yeah. that, that you, 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 you're practicing that every moment of every day. That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. Uh, and I, so that's a, that's oh. a life's work and Wellville happens to, to be, I think, the um the apotheosis of that experience um wow. the highest statement of it and uh, that's it that's a credit to rick and and to our founder esther yes um, I, we should mention definitely esther. esther dyson here's here's something I'll, I'll just say i know we're running out of time this is a quick little snippet she sends out probably a thousand emails a day she is she <laughs> is obsessive about keeping her inbox down close to zero and she gets lots of emails a day every one of the emails that she sends out has a signature line at the bottom and it says it's her name and it says always make new mistakes <laughs> it's my kind of people <laughs> you 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 two have become my kind of people hopefully i'm your kind of person. I, I think we have a common cause. I have a big question mark after the word practice. And so did Peter Vale. And what he did, as brilliant as he was, is say, I'm not going to theorize about practice, but I think we need to understand it. So I'm going to give you some conjectures. And he created 32 of them. Conjectures. He easily could have fought for those ideas to become publishable theories of how people do things and why. Uh, but he, he wanted to invite people to look at a conjecture. And then what I wrote in adding to the book was sort of guidance like you do. I was advisor to people reading Peter's work. It's weird how that turned out, but it was perfect, a perfect way for me to be respectful of my teacher knowing that I know a lot of stuff too, but it would not make any difference at all if I told everyone what I, what I thought about practice too. It's, I wanted it to be some, uh, a symbiosis. And I look at you two gentlemen, and the folks can't see you, but I can, and I think there's two fellows who really enjoy the adventure uh, of Wellville, and maybe one day we'll have Well Nation. Who knows? <laughs> so thank you both. Mm. Thank you, Dave. This is very enjoyable. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and and one more thing. How could I forget? The book On Practice as a Way of Being is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us. And it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary.world slash practice and you'll see what I mean. Thank you.